Hey everyone, we want to welcome you to the Floater Founder Podcast. This is a Toronto-based podcast featuring local founders across all markets. We are your hosts, Samantha Lloyd and Lyson Casey. We are going to be bringing you interviews with exciting and hardworking founders. They will be sharing their experience creating and leading a company. Thanks for listening. Hi everyone, you're here with Floater Founder. I'm your host, Samantha Lloyd, here with my co-host, Lyson Casey. Hello everyone. And today we're super excited to be here with Heather Payne. She is the CEO and founder of the newly branded Juno College of Technology. Hi everyone, so excited to be here. Thank you so much for hosting us here at Juno College. It's really exciting to be here. Um, we were here many years ago for a Ladies Learning Code course that started us on our path um, and technology. So we're super grateful uh, to get to interview you. That's awesome. Um, So start us off with um, a story about uh, how you started the nonprofit Ladies Learning Code and then how you started the Career College Hacker You. How did that begin and evolve? Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. So I graduated in 2009 from uh, university and that was basically perfect timing because it was right into the recession. Uh, You know, things kind of collapsed like fall of 2008. And uh, so when I when I graduated 2009, I was thinking about what I was going to do. There were just like nowhere near as many jobs as there had been even a year earlier. Um, so I actually picked up and moved to China. So I did my final semester of school living in Hong Kong. And then I actually liked it so much in Asia and sort of wanted to wait out the recession a bit that I moved to the mainland and uh, was actually studying international relations there. Uh a weird thing that I did for a bit. Um, but while I was there, uh, as I started preparing for my return back to Toronto, I started learning how to code. And I don't know where the idea came from. Like, I can't remember the moment where I was like, oh, like, this is what I should spend my time doing. Um, but it sort of came to me. And then instead of going to class there, like, I ended up spending all of my time, like, working from different cafes, um, finding tutorials online to teach myself to code. I built a website. I built a blog. Um, and I came back to uh, Toronto in May of 2010 and found a job and uh, was working in the recruitment industry for a bit there um, and was still kind of learning to code on the side but I would always get really frustrated because it wasn't like it is today today there's like a million tutorials if you want to learn how to code it's really clear like back then there was a few tutorials and many of them were out of date and they were kind of unfriendly and they weren't like made for beginners really um, so I had this idea um, that like I wanted to learn to code and then I found myself in Los Angeles for work and there was this workshop happening there that I came across somehow by some like miracle called Pi Ladies and it was workshops for women who want to learn Python a programming language and I was like oh cool like I've been learning to code on my own for so long like this is what I need to actually get get you know get there faster so I went to the workshop I was like, this is incredible. We need this in Toronto. And basically came back to Toronto and tweeted about how there should be a group in Toronto for women who want to learn how to code. And that was like the start of what became Ladies Learning Code. Um, someone who came to an early brainstorming session ended up naming the organization. So it wasn't even my name. It was like a community member kind of like hashtagged it with like Ladies Learning Code. And that just became our name from there. And uh, that's really the origin story of Ladies Learning Code. So the organization officially was founded August 6, 2011. That was the date of the very first workshop. So yeah, uh, can you talk a little bit more about what uh, HackerU is, what the differences between Ladies Learning Code and HackerU, and how did that evolve into Juno College? Mm -hmm, Totally. So yeah, HackerU is the former name of Juno, um, which is the space that we're now in the school that I run. So it all was a really organic 
development as well. So um, myself and my three co-founders started Ladies Learning Code in August of 2011. We started running these workshops. They were very popular right away. Um, you know, people would be back then like clicking refresh on Eventbrite at the time that we launched the tickets, trying to get a ticket. Like it's almost unbelievable now because I can't even think of an event that you would like press refresh on other than a concert ticket or something like that. But it really was like that back then. And um, we started talking to the folks who were coming out to these workshops and something I kept hearing over and over was like, you know, this is great. We love, you know, these one day workshops. They're so awesome. But could you do something that's multiple months long so that I can really build a skill? Because a day will give you a taste, but to actually build a skill that you can put on your resume, you know, just takes more time. So that, you know, started sounding to me like a really interesting opportunity. And at the same time, I was kind of starting to think about that from, you know, hearing from people. I also heard about these like coding boot camps that were starting up in the US. So there were at the time three coding boot camps, um, if I can remember them all. So Dev Bootcamp in San Francisco, General Assembly, um, mostly based in New York. And then there was Starter League, which I think had a different name at first, like Code Academy or something was a different name. Um, and I realized like, wow, someone's gonna do this in Toronto. And if it isn't me, I'm gonna be really upset. Mm-hmm. Um, so had that idea basically to start working on what became Hacker You in February of 2012. Um, and by this point, I had quit my job, um, by the way. So I was um, working, I was basically volunteering for Ladies Learning Code full time. Um, I had also sort of scrounged up a contract with Mozilla where I was creating workshops for youth to learn coding skills. So that was pretty cool because I was kind of doing stuff in the same area. And by sort of like January 2012, I was, you know, making like, 20k a year from ladies learning code so i had i did several months as a volunteer and then got to the point where i was making sort of a a crappy half salary from my ladies learning code work and uh so i started working on hacker you in february 2012 um with the same women who are my co-founders in ladies learning code and by may we launched um erin beery who's like well known in the toronto startup scene um she like wrote our launch article which was really cool so we've stayed in touch over the years and by september we had our first sold out course with 30 people and many of the students, at least half were people who had come to earlier ladies learning code workshops. So the coolest thing about, you know, what I got to do is like, first of all, I was the user and it's like something I always suggest to founders is like, if you can solve one of your own problems, that's always really interesting. So, you know, ladies learning code was me scratching my own itch, but ladies learning code also allowed me to pull together a whole bunch of people who had the exact same problem as me. And then when we created something that was, you know, basically for that audience, but um, at a price point that you could actually build a business around, um, the people who came to, you know, hacker use workshops were the same people that have been coming along the whole time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's like still the case today. Like some of our, like some of our people who come to hacker use stuff have come to like several courses, like many courses, yeah. which is really cool. Yeah. We ended up signing up for a few ladies learning course, code courses over the years and the price point, um, especially if you're like, if you're just trying something out or um, you're not really sure where, what to do with your career, like the price point is really helpful to give you that push. Yeah. Like just first chance first taste of it yeah Yeah. exactly that's great um so i'm curious how kind of the goals of hacker you have changed as you've rebranded to juno Mm -hmm. yeah so i was telling the story uh on the weekend as well um when i started hacker you we didn't have like a huge vision i wasn't like oh my god there's this gigantic problem that needs to be solved and we're gonna tackle it and and you know here's how we're gonna do it it was so so much more organic than that. It was like, 
cool, people like these Ladies Learning Code workshops. We're like onto something with the way that we've set up the workshops and the mentor and instructor ratio. And and uh, so we launched a course. And luckily, you know, our business model is really simple. It's like a traditional education business model where you charge something for the course and then you just make sure it costs you less than that to deliver the course. Um, so we were lucky because right away it was it was profitable. So we never had to do the thing where as a startup, you have to go around to like all these VCs and like try and pitch them on your big vision, even though like you're such a small idea right now. Like we didn't have to do that. All we did was kept making things that people wanted, like listen to our, our you know, workshop attendees at Ladies Ring Code and then listen to our early customers at HackerU. And we would use that information to create new things that they would like. Um, so for basically the first basically seven years, six and a half years of the company's existence, we did not have a big vision. Um, We were really making some people wanted, they were willing to pay for it. And as a result, we sort of grew organically like all through that time. Um, Then things kind of changed when I came back to work full-time after um, having my second kid. Uh, So this would have been like after Labor Day in September of, of last year, so 2018. Um, I kind of like came back full time at that point. And like, I can't describe it, but I was just like a totally different entrepreneur. I think that um, family planning and like thinking about how, you know, with my business and my husband's also an entrepreneur. So between the two of us, we have like, I don't know, 100 employees or something like between the two companies. Um, I think it had really been weighing on me, like the responsibility of, you know, wanting to have a family and, 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 but also knowing that like, you know, I'm, I'm this, I'm the solo founder here now. I'm doing this by myself. How am I going to make sure that the company's okay while I'm also doing this other thing that's super important to me that like is important in my life? Um, so I think that had been taking up a lot of brain space for me, like, and, and really from the time, like I got pregnant with my first kid to the time I came back to work after my second kid, um, it was just about survival. Like I was like, let me just get through these years. And actually we had some great years. Like we had some years where we grew a lot in that time because it, it, in a lot of ways I was forced to step back and forced to hire people to do things that I traditionally had been doing. And turns out those people were way better than me <laughs> at, at like those tasks. So that was actually like such a gift. Um, but yeah, so September of last year, I came back to work and I was just different. And I was starting to think a lot about like, what are we doing? What, are, what am I doing with this business? Where do I want this to go? What's the opportunity really? And, and what can we do for the world that is unique and informed by our seven years of history and informed by the things that we know? And um, I actually remember the moment exactly that I sort of like it came to me. Um, It was October 6th, so almost exactly a year ago, 9.30 a.m. in the morning. I was in New York at a conference listening to uh, a speaker talking. um, And I don't remember at all what she was saying, but I just remember my mind was wandering a little bit. And I realized like, okay, so the options for growing this business, we can option A, go more into B2B. So we can start to serve companies and like, you know, General Assembly did this. That was like a big part of how they grew to be as big as they were. Um, And I just don't care that much about companies. I like I do like I want to serve companies, but more from more from the aspect that like I want them to hire amazing people and I want to help people get jobs at amazing companies. But um, I don't think I could ever like do a B2B startup really it's just not who I am I'm just like a a person like a people entrepreneur like a a b2c entrepreneur really um so then I thought okay to to grow this business we need to serve way more students at once we need like 
tons of students in one place. And I realized like, oh, we should build campuses. Like, that's what we should do. Um, So, you know, within like a month or two, we'd sort of like shared that vision with the company. Um, And around the same time, you know, getting back to the question that you asked here, around the same time came to the realization that HackerU wasn't the right name for that vision. You know, to be creating a company that, and I mean, this is a crazy goal. So we may, may or may not actually ever end up, you know, getting here. But, you know, to have the goal of, of basically creating a university from scratch um, is it's a pretty big goal. And the name that 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 organization needs is something that can sit beside, you know, Waterloo and Western and maybe even Stanford and Harvard. But I also wanted it to sound fresh. And so that's sort of the mandate that we went into our new rebrand with is like, what's going to sound like established and trustworthy, but also sound super fresh. And uh, and so that's what we started it with. That's great. I love that. Awesome. Um, and so you took Juno College. You were in the 2019 spring batch for Y Combinator. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the process and what was that all like? And mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, it was not my plan to apply to Y Combinator. Um, basically, you know, so we're working on this um, new vision um, by December of last year, so shortly after coming up with the new vision, that's when I first heard about income share agreements. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I saw it on Twitter. was like instantly like very intrigued um, by this. And by February, we had made the decision in the company that like this is the future of education and we want to make a bet on that. Mm-hmm. So by February of this year, 2019, we decided this is what we're going to do. And by April, I think we launched ISA's income share agreements in in Canada as the first school in Canada to offer them on like April 16th, I believe. The next day was my birthday. I turned 32 the next day. And then I submitted my my Combinator application the day after that and like hadn't even thought about doing it until the day before I applied. Um, we submitted a late application, so we were like well past the deadline. Um, I heard back that evening that we had an interview the following Monday. Uh, unfortunately, I had booked a vacation in Jamaica that started on the Sunday. So I actually flew to Jamaica with my family to help my husband with the flight, then like had a connecting flight in Charlotte, then flew to San Francisco. So I had to kind of like interrupt my vacation to go to the interview but it felt a bit like if you don't go you're gonna maybe always wonder what would have happened so it just felt very important that I that I did then I finished and went back and met them um, so we had the interview on Monday found out Monday evening we got in so like the whole thing happened for us in the span of a week um, wow. so it was like a very I didn't spend any time thinking about it we just applied got in and that was the end and we're like a much later stage company for like the typical YC startup but we hadn't raised any funding by that point so it was still, I think, a really good fit for what YC brings to the table. Um, I, I always say when people ask me, like, there were three things that I really value about the YC experience. Um, first, I think, you know, even though the batches at YC are getting much bigger, so it might not mean quite as much as it used to, um, there's still something about being a Y Combinator startup that can open doors, um, can make people take another look. Um, you know, it sends a signal that. This isn't, you know, just a coding bootcamp. There's something much bigger going on here, which has been great for us being able to explain our vision to talented people who we want to join our team. So it's been great for that reason. Um, I really liked that you spend a lot of time at YC explaining what it is you're doing and 
you know, experimenting with different ways of explaining it to make it more clear for people. Um, I got a lot of feedback uh, throughout the experience, would share people, like share our ideas with people and, and get their thoughts on it. So sort of like the clarifying who you are and what you do was really valuable. And then also from a fundraising perspective, um, it was really valuable to be part of YC um, and just have their assistance with that. So um, if, if people are looking for any of those three things, I think it's totally a worthwhile experience. That's great. And did you decide to get funding for Juno College? Yeah, we did raise um, some money after after YC. That's great. That's awesome. Congrats on that. Thanks. And uh, to talk more about the rebrand. So you mentioned why you rebranded the name. How um, did the process of actually rebranding the company go? How long was this process um, taking place and things like that? Yeah, so this was like a huge company-wide team effort. Uh, we're a pretty small team. I think we're around 35 like full-time um, employees now. And and even like this time last year, we were like 18 people. So we've definitely added a lot of folks this past year, which has been great because there's more people to help do all the work that we have to do. Um, so I think by January, I'd come up with the name. Um, and so we had the name set by January. Luckily, when I presented it to everyone in the company, it was like pretty unanimously like loved right from the beginning. Um, and I've, I've had that experience pretty much with everyone we've shared it with. Our alumni community has been at least to my face have been really like loving the name so I I was really happy about that because it felt like a big deal to to rebrand and people loved Hacker U like mm-hmm. people loved the Hacker U community and what it meant and all that so I wasn't sure how easily like how much of that was in the name and how much of that was just in what it is and it turns out it's just what the company and community is mm-hmm. um so yeah so sort of like we've been doing a bunch of website design work since January, February. Um, I can't remember now exactly when the web development project started, but it was sometime in the summer. And my role basically after I sort of approved all the designs was like in sort of typical CEO fashion, I set like a slightly too ambitious deadline. And like, depending on who you ask on my team, they might say that slightly is not the right word. Like I set an ambitious deadline for the the team and um, you know, the team worked on like, you know, we came to an agreement on like what scope would work and, and uh, ended up launching in September. So yeah, there's been a lot of people working on this, you know, behind the scenes and like designers redesigning every single thing that we have, you know, a room that we're sitting in right now all together, there's like a, a Wi-Fi sign on the wall and it still says hacker you. So, you know, we still have, <laughs> there's like a lot of documents that we have to rebrand. Yeah. Um, and, and I, the team has been amazing. Almost everything is done yeah. uh, and almost everything was done in time, which is awesome. Cool. Um, so you are responsible for getting so many people hired. Um, what would you say are some qualities that uh, make you as an employee really uh, look really good and a really a really easy hire? And what are what are some negative qualities or things on the resume that people should generally avoid? I mean, the thing that I think is really interesting about job hunting in 2019 or 2020 is that like it's pretty broken. Like if you just do what the job posting tells you to do. So if you like go on LinkedIn and you read the posting and, and, you know, even if you do like all the right stuff, like customize your cover letter to the opportunity and like, you know, submit it through LinkedIn, um, it's really still not even a guarantee that you'll get a call. Um, I think, you know, the bigger the company is that you're applying to, the better odds there are that there's an an HR or a people team at that company that's doing proper resume screening. Um, but especially at companies with, you know, 50 people or less, a hundred people or less. Um, I think a lot of young people get really, um, 
discouraged by the job hunt because they don't realize that like just clicking submit is not enough. Um, So that's something that we really try to like impress upon everyone who comes through the door here is like, we're going to teach you how to get noticed. We're going to teach you the work that you have to do. And it's like, it's definitely work. Like it's more work than just clicking submit, but um, it's the kind of thing that actually makes it so that your job search goes from feeling like, wow, nobody's getting back to me to like starting to feel like, okay, like I'm getting some momentum. This is starting to, to be effective. So, um, you know, I run the outcomes team here with a super, super talented, um, our manager of career services, her name's Chi Chi and she's so great. And between the two of us, and we're actually going to be adding some folks to this team, uh, at least one person this quarter and then uh, possibly a couple more next year, um, between the two of us, we're basically teaching our graduates how to conduct a job search. And it's it's crazy because it's not something that anyone's ever taught. It's like you go to high school, you go to college, you go to university, and nobody ever teaches you like how to conduct a job search in an organized, deliberate fashion. Um, so, you know, we have a spreadsheet that we like a template that we have the students all like come complete and they have to keep track of their job search in that spreadsheet and you know we teach them about how important it is to follow up and and then we check in with them every single week so our um our results from the second half of 2018 are that we placed 69 percent of our graduates by three months post-graduation and 89 percent by six months post-graduation um and it's like that those numbers are from us coaching them on how to find jobs so like they're doing the work there's there's not a lot in there that's like us making the connections for them we're excited to build out that muscle as we bring more people on the team and and do more employer relations work but it it really is from teaching the students how to conduct a job search effectively and then keeping them accountable to being able to do that so it's something i've wondered about like I, I would like to teach more people this skill, <laughs> you know, like, like I thought about maybe I should run like an eight week course here on like how to, maybe I should do that. It's actually a really good idea. Like an eight week course on how to find a job and you just teach people how to be super deliberate in their job search. Cause that's what it takes these days. Yeah. You have to like customize. I mean, I remember making resumes that looked like the company's website, yes. or like making, I mean, how many websites yeah. have you made? Yeah. Personally, I'm a self-taught developer too. And I found that the really big, distinguisher from getting a job for me personally was having a really great portfolio mm-hmm. most most companies at least i found don't really care about the resume as long as they go right to your github link and look yeah. at your portfolio and look at the projects and the code you actually have yeah totally and what is um kind of your goal for the tech landscape in toronto with juno college mm-hmm. yeah so oh man so excited about it i think toronto's at such an exciting like moment in time like there's so much amazing talent here there's so many amazing companies that i think are like rising um to the occasion we're obviously super lucky to have like huge companies like shopify here as well as like a real anchor for talent and and someone to like set the bar as well for the rest of us to um really live up to so i'm excited super excited about that um one thing i'm really excited about for 2020 is to work more closely with our hiring partners um, you know, so far we've basically called a company a hiring partner if they hire one of our grads. Mm-hmm. We're like, that's what it takes to be referred to as a hiring partner here. And I'm really excited to start to build out what it means to be a hiring partner of Juno's and, um, you know, basically 
set some more expectations around what we need the tech community to do to be able to keep supporting Juno grads. Um, obviously, everybody wants to hire intermediates and seniors. They want to hire intermediate developers and senior developers, um, but we won't have enough of those if we're not also supporting juniors. So I'm excited to build um, a program and some more partnerships next year where we like help companies find those intermediates and seniors. We have like 700 bootcamp grads um, in the Toronto area mostly. We have, I think, a total of like over 3,000 alumni across all of our programs um, in the Toronto area. Like we have access to so much talent and um, I'm excited to like do something where we can make open roles at companies that we love more available to the talent that's here um, and then also help those companies find intermediate and senior talent and, and also say at the same time, great, so you know we helped you find this intermediate or the senior, we also need you to take on this junior. Like that's part of what we need you to do to have a thriving tech community in Toronto. And for the company, what are some kind of benefits or selling points on them hiring that junior developer? Yeah, so I think one, it's just like we all have an obligation to build out tech talent. So, um, you know, I think we all need to be doing that. The second thing is like our juniors are incredible. Our program here, we accept about 20% of the students who apply to join our bootcamp program. Um, for them to join the bootcamp, they already need to know HTML and CSS and responsive design. And if they if they don't know those things, then we have some part-time courses that they can take first to kind of prepare for it. So, you know, by the time someone even joins the bootcamp, they're already at the point where they can code, you know, a PSD perfectly and make it responsive. You know, then we take them through the nine-week experience where they're really like, you know, they're in class 40 hours a week. They're probably putting another 20 to 40 hours a week in outside of class. They're learning so fast. Um, and we've really found that their trajectory once they're in the workforce doesn't slow down. Like we have grads from 2014 when we first launched the bootcamp program. I can think of several right now. We have one who's a VP of front end at um, the company that acquired DMAC Media. I can't remember their name. Um, I just saw that... Um, Willful Wills is, is hiring and their VP end is a Hacker U grad from 2014. Um, and and those are just like some examples. Like I have so many examples of like Miguel, um, he's, a, he's a manager at Ecobee, Hacker U grad, I think from 2015 maybe. Like the Toronto, comp- the Toronto tech scene is like being run by Juno, you know, Hacker U grads. Mm-hmm. It's really because their trajectory of and the amount that they can grow after they leave here like doesn't slow down. They know how to learn fast and they're able to learn fast on the job as well. Cool. And uh, so, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the courses uh, when I was uh, Ladies Learning Code when I first started learning HTML. Um, do you have any plans of expanding expanding your the courses offered to more uh, native mobile or uh, like React or Angular or even like some sort of backend programming? Or Yeah, so we are constantly thinking about the courses that we should add um, to better serve the community here. Um, my vision is actually that we will one day train people in like all of the emerging vocations. Mm-hmm. So not just web development or, or development related jobs, but like, what about like growth marketing? What about sales? Mm-hmm. What about um, data science? Uh, what about computer science? You know, what about privacy and security? Like universities and colleges are not going to be able to move quickly enough to be able to fill those like massive gaps um, in the economy. And I think a school like us, as we get bigger, we can actually be the ones to fill that void. Um, in the meantime, we are launching like some new courses. Uh, we actually just today announced our new data foundations course. So it's a data science um, program run by our 
in-house data scientist. Um, so that one is, uh, we're running like a two-week um, accelerated version. So that means Monday to Friday, like 40 hours a week um, at the end of this year. And then there's going to be a part-time option in March. And we do have uh this is going to be like a spoiler alert, but we do have React slotted. Uh, so we have a React course coming next year. Um, I don't want to say too much more about other courses we have planned, but we're planning to launch like a handful of new courses in 2020. That's great. Um, well, I think we could go into the rapid fire round. Um, just some fun questions for you. Um, so what is, aside from Juno College's awesome downtown campus, your favorite spot in Toronto? Hmm. I like Tennessee Tavern in Parkdale. It's like a restaurant, has a really nice outdoor patio, really cozy, like Eastern European food. And um, what is the best place you've ever traveled to? Hmm. I lived in China for 15 months, so I love China. It's probably the place I like, you know, I, I spent long enough there to actually like live there um, and had to learn the language because the place I lived, there was no there was no English, so I had to learn a bit of Mandarin. Um, on a vacation, uh, I got married in Jamaica, so I'll always really love Jamaica. And is there anywhere else outside of Toronto or China that you would live? Oh man, I would never live anywhere else other than Toronto. <laughs> yeah. And uh, what is the last place you got delivery from? I have been significantly reducing my delivery uh, because solely because of garbage. I'm finding that like the waste involved in ordering like Uber Eats or whatever is just ridiculous. And that has really been the thing to like curb my addiction to ordering out. Um, It's like made me way more disciplined about not doing it. Um, But that being said, uh, I did order shawarma uh, earlier this week. Nice. Yeah, for us, we just find that if we don't deliver, we end up walking around more, which is great. Might as well enjoy the weather while it's still (laughs) okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. And uh, what is your go-to karaoke song? Oh, boy. We actually do a lot of karaoke here. Um, (laughs) um, So, like, I shouldn't choose this because I'm a really bad singer, but I will, like, typically go for a Taylor Swift song. Who has been uh, your favorite teacher? Uh, my grade six teacher, his name was Emerson Dale. I hope he hears this. I haven't been able to contact him since uh, since I left school in grade six or whatever. But um, he was really special, special teacher because he um, basically like identified that I shouldn't go to like my home school and I should go to this other school and, and study French immersion. And he, he put me on like a totally different path for my life that um, my parents wouldn't have identified for me on their own. Um, and like those teachers who just care and like make sure that they interject and, and get someone on the right path are like so priceless. Um, who has been the best boss you've ever had? My mind immediately went to my... Um, basically my first boss, the store manager, when I worked at McDonald's, when I was 15, I worked at McDonald's from like the day I turned 15 until like I was 19 and went away to school. Um, so he was the store manager and I became a manager when I was 16 of McDonald's. So I was like a kid managing McDonald's. I, or I like reorganized my whole high school schedule so that I would have like lunch as my last period of the day. So I could leave school at like 1 PM or something. And I would work like from two till 11 or something like that, like three or four nights a week. Like I worked like crazy all through high school. Um, and, and that manager, his name was Sean, um, just like really believed in me and just gave me so many like amazing opportunities, like to, to have management experience when you're that young. Mm -hmm. Um, I still remember like one of the biggest lessons. Um, I, I walked into 
to you know mcdonald's one day this was like a mcdonald's in walmart in brampton and i walked in and there was someone there i was a bit intimidated by she was like older than me i was like the manager she wasn't even a manager and and i was a bit intimidated by her and i didn't say hi um and he like he was like hey can we can we go outside and have a chat for a second so we went outside and had a chat and he's like why didn't you say hi to her and i was like oh i just I don't know like I just didn't say hi he was like you gotta say hi to everyone like you're a manager like it's your job to rise to the occasion um and I just always like think about that afterwards and and it's actually like reflected a bit in a core value that we have here around like we are welcoming like you just say hi to everybody like that's just is what it is if someone is coming into our space they have something to do with like something that we do here and we want to like welcome that person with open arms so yeah I think you answered this but what was your very first job I guess that was, I mean, that was my first official job. I, funny enough, my second job uh, when I went to university, you know, so after after four years of working at McDonald's, I totally switched teams and I became a fitness instructor. So <laughs> I've kind of worked on like both sides of the table there. That's great. I love that. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with us today and sharing everything about your journey from Ladies Learning Code to Hacker U to now fabulous Juno College. I'm super excited to get to interview you. So thank you. Awesome. Yeah, thank, thank you both. You. We wanted to thank you so much for coming in. We had such a great time interviewing you for Floater Founder. And thank you so much to our listeners. We are so excited to share more founder stories with you. Until Until next time. time.